All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to a story in the New Testament. It's actually one of the last stories in the accounts and acts of the early Christians. The first Christians is called the Book of Acts. Um, it is the activity and actions of the first century church and the beginning of the churches, the proliferation of churches around the known world at the time. And we're going to go to the very last chapter in Acts chapter 28. We're going to read a story of Paul, who, um, for those that don't know, quick little background. By the way, can we thank the band for being so amazing? I love you guys. I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. Come on back. Um, so, Acts 28 is the account of a man by the name of Paul. Paul is used to write more than half of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Spirit of Jesus. He is the artist formerly known as Saul. He was a spiritual, um, uh, boy, how should I say this? A really a, a spiritual gangster, but that now is like a yoga term. So I don't know how to deal with that. But, uh, so me, okay, four of you do yoga. Okay. Um, but he, he really is, a, he, was a, he was a spiritual elitist, um, and he actually killed people who claimed to walk in the way or follow in the footsteps of Jesus. He has this outrageous encounter with God where God pushes him off his mule, his donkey, speaks to him audibly, and Saul becomes Paul and has this radical conversion. Now, we're going to insert ourselves in the story where Paul is, is nearing the very end of his life. In fact, this third and final shipwreck that he will experience, he is on his way to Rome. He is being delivered as a prison to Rome to be publicly executed. Uh, this is, in fact, the end for Paul. And the title of this message as we jump in is When the Boat Breaks. What do you do when the boat breaks? What do you do when the plans are ruined? What do you do when the schedule has been destroyed? What do you do when you can't find routine? Uh, my kids are already back in high school. I have a junior in high school now and a freshman in high school. For those keeping track, my 14-year-old freshman is six foot three, 200 pounds. So that's what we're working with. My junior is uh, six feet and um, very not, not, doesn't have a lot of weight at all. So that's, and, and when they fight, I'm like, I look at the 17-year-old like, may God be with you, dear son. <laughs> and may his spirit protect you, maybe. You know, like it's, it's, it's intense. Um, but they've had uh, two lockdowns. One was because there was a gun outside the school. Uh, welcome to public schools in LA. And the second was because someone tested positive for COVID at the school. Um, we have been one week of school, two lockdowns. Uh, I have received a letter already from the school outlining who had the gun, it was not a student, why they had to lock it down, and why I got a call in the middle of the day that my boys are under lockdown because someone has a gun. That's our first week of school. Um, to say the very least, uh, we are looking for a sustainable rhythm and schedule, and the Smith family, it's been hard to find. You make plans these days, and those plans change dramatically. Had some friends pick me up from the airport last night, and they said to get into a restaurant in a particular space, they now had to show a vaccination card. Um, I, by the way, I did get vaccinated. I am a community leader, and I felt like I was to do that. I didn't know it would offend some of you. I really am sorry about that. I didn't mean to do that. It wasn't a political statement. It was like, I have to travel, and I fly a lot, and I thought it would be like maybe the best option, and I did get vaccinated as a kid, so I thought maybe that was kind of the same thinking. Come to find out, there are two very different things in people's minds. Like, you got vaccinated as a kid, that's fine, but you can't get this vaccine. I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do anymore. Um, and by the way, I, I, I don't know if I got the right vaccine, because then there's like the right one and then there's the wrong one and then like do you have faith do you not have faith like where are you at with God and I'm like I didn't know when I went to CVS I was making a declaration about my view of God I didn't know I really honestly I'm being so serious guys like I'm trying to raise teenagers right now I don't have time to get into the theological nuances of vaccines it's just not where I'm at okay I'm just like how's the 17 year old how's the 14 year old oh God protect the 12 year old oh dear Jesus right anybody have teenagers all right it's like ah! Um, and it's the best life, and I love it. 
but uh, we are living in such unprecedented days. It's like new news comes out. Uh, the other day, there was another natural disaster, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say I had my phone like this, and I just went like, I, I don't know what, what I don't know what more we can do here, you know. And I know Jesus is like everywhere, but sometimes going like this just feels like you're really speaking to him. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm a pastor, I've been a pastor for like 20 years. I'm still doing this. Hey, come on. <laughs> you know? um, but have you been there? Have you looked up to the high heavens lately? Have you said, hey, we can only take so much down here? Have you had those sighs and those groans where you're like, really? God, this is a lot. This is a lot. It's a lot to stay married right now. It's a lot to raise kids right now. It's a lot to be single looking to be married right now. It's a lot to just have a solid day. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like solid is the new great. You know, like, like normal, well, we lost that a while ago. Predictable is the new sexy. It's like, wait you, wait, you had a schedule and you, you kept it today? Yeah, it was wild, bro. All four meetings happened today. Not in person, all four in person. What? No Zooms today, not one Zoom. Bro, give me a hug, right? Like, wait, no, you can't hug me. You know, it, it is, I've offended people with handshakes. I've offended people with hugs. I've offended people with masks, without masks. Like, it is very challenging. We, we are just, let me be very clear, I'm just talking about the pandemic. Just that one topic and, and natural disasters and global catastrophes and tragedies that are happening and loved ones that are being lost. What do you, what do, you do when the boat breaks? Now, if you're like me, in days like these, I go to this inspired book that I believe is completely written by God, and I say, can you show me how you work with people in antiquity, in this ancient book you've given me, that mirrors what we're going through? What's, what's the response of the God worshiper? What's the response of those, maybe you've come today or you're watching today and you're seeking uh, the, you're, you're searching, you're, you're, you're curious about Christianity. You're curious about, well, maybe I need a little bit, maybe in your mind it's religion. I, I need a little bit more, maybe like, I don't know, moral teaching or motivational speaking. And so maybe you're searching and you're here seeking and, and curious and, 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 and wondering. I, I, I'm asking the question, where, what should we do? What should be our response? It seems like everyone's response is their, opinion, their opinions have gotten enormously big. It's funny because our, our exposure right now seems to get in, getting smaller, but our opinions seem to get bigger. By the way, that's a really bad combo. When your life gets small and your opinions get big, that's how you get old. That's what old is. It's not an age, it's a mentality. Oh, you, you haven't talked to people that have never one time experienced something, but they have the biggest opinions about it. Some of you want to tell Coach Carroll and Russell Wilson what to do. Did you ever play football? <laughs> Who's been an elite quarterback in the NFL? Do you mind raising your hand real quick? Oh, so our culture's all set up that sometimes the people that can be loudest have never one time experienced what they're speaking to. Has anyone ever been a policymaker for a whole country? Is there any presidents here today that I'm not aware of? Any VPs of any country? Oh, that's interesting, right? But this is, so when our boat starts to break, when things we've counted on, like schedule and constructs, when they start to break, it's amazing what starts to break open in our life. So here's what I want us to do. I want us, and, and I, I've been a little bit provocative this morning. Some of you are like, ooh, Judah's a little feisty. <laughs> Maybe. But I, I want us to go to the scripture and say, okay, Lord, show me another Christian in the Bible who's gone through unpredictable catastrophe and trauma and show me how they respond to show me how you want me to respond. Awesome, okay? Let's go to Acts chapter 28. 
Again, our character for investigation is this man named Paul. Paul is on a boat with, I think it's 276, I think we get the actual number on the ship, that are on their way to Rome. An unpredicted storm kicks up, and the storm is so extreme, it begins to break the boat up. This is an extreme storm. This is not an average storm. This is not a typical storm. Think about boats. They're built to endure storms. This is a storm the builders of the boat never considered. That sounds like 2020. That sounds like 2021. I had a friend tell me uh, recently in a, uh, uh, a setting, and, and he, he came up to say hi and said he'd kind of heard about church and stuff, never been, but heard about it. We started talking. He said, last year I was a part of business. We brought in $275 million last year. He said, this year, you want to know how much money we brought in? Zero. The business is gone. I said, I said, hold on a second. Your business last year brought in 272 million. That's right, and the business no longer exists, Judah. I was like, oh, man, that's like, that's not like a storm. That's like a storm that breaks up boats that were made for storms. Are you okay? He's like, I'm just grateful to be here, grateful to have a job, and that's, so I took this job, and wow, well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, isn't that an unusual time to be in where someone I've just met within three minutes tells me that last year his company made 200 cents and this year is zero? And then he's like, nice to meet you and walks away. And you're like, where am I living? Oh, that's right, 2021. That's where I'm living. And things we thought that would never break are breaking. People we never thought would break are breaking. By the way, you're not the only one where friendships have been tried, tested, and stretched at a level that is, well, in some cases, embarrassing. Have you seen the articles? They're saying the Delta variant now, people are cutting off people and saying, we're not friends anymore, we can no longer. I mean, whole articles are being written on how friendships are breaking apart. First of all, you're here right now. You should probably give yourself a little more credit than you're giving yourself. You're actually here right now saying, hey, I want to go subject myself to an environment where I can learn more about Jesus and learn more about my life and learn more. Wow. Can I just say wow? Am I allowed to say wow? Like, what kind of people are you? On a nice sunny Sunday morning in Seattle, which is something we savor, I might add, you decided to come indoors and listen to your pastor or listen to a speaker and sing melodies and harmonies. Wow, wow, okay, well, you're doing better than you think you are. Paul is on his way to be executed. Now, I gotta be honest with you, if my boat broke apart while I'm on my way to be executed, I would take that as a sign from God to run for the hills, if you will. I'd be like, this is, you're gonna save me, God. And yet, as the story goes, you'll be shocked. Let me just jump in verse 1, Acts 28. Once everyone was accounted for, we realized we had all made it. We learned that we were on the island of Malta. The natives went out of their way to be friendly to us. The day was rainy and cold. We were already soaked to the bone, but they built a huge bonfire and gathered us around it. Paul pitched in and helped. He'd gathered up a bundle of sticks. When he put it in the fire, a venomous snake roused from its torpor. I'll be honest with you, i never seen that word before, nor do I even know what that word is. Torpor? Come on, guys. I mean, I can't handle torpor. I mean, I, you know, I got my limits. All right. He was roused from its torpor in the world, um, struck his hand and held on. Seeing the snake hanging from Paul's hand like that, the natives jumped to the conclusion that he was a murderer getting his just deserve. Paul shook the snake off in the fire, none the worse for the wear. He kept expect, they kept expecting him to drop dead, but when it was obvious he wasn't going to, they jumped to the conclusion that he was a god. We talked about this a few weeks ago, just shake it off. By the way, shake it off. People's praise, people's criticism, shake it off. The two extremes, you can't live in those extremes. You can't live in those extremes. You can't live in constant praise, and you can't live in constant criticism. You can't live in either one of those environments. They're too extreme. The conditions are too extreme. You have to move away from the praise, and you have to move away from the criticism, and and you have to follow Jesus. You got to shake it off. You got to shake it off. That's not the sermon, but it's a good one. 
The head man in the part of the island was Publius. He took us into his home as his guest, drying us out, putting us up in the fine style for the next three days. Publius' father was sick at the time, down with a high fever and something that's really not good. Okay, and remove, I, I don't even want to say it. All right, so it's, like, it's early. Okay, Paul went to the old man's room when he laid hands on him and prayed. The man was healed. I love the Bible. Uh, so Paul went into his room, laid hands on him. He was healed. And then we just move on, like, oh, that must have been amazing. Yeah, word of the healing got around fast, and soon everyone on the island who was sick came and got healed, so that was good. Uh, all right, all right, cool. That's amazing. Um, wish that would happen in Kirkland. But we spent a wonderful three months on Malta. We spent a wonderful three months on Malta. That's a, that's a sentence, isn't it? This is a real, this is a real event. I mean, is anyone here, can we be like, oh, we have spent like, everything's been changed, plans has been changed, quarantine, pandemic, everything, but we have had a wonderful detour. We've had wonderful three months on the island of Malta. Quick question, Paul, again, were you going to Malta? No, absolutely not. We didn't even really know about Malta or, or know anyone on Malta. We just were there, and boy, did we have a great time. Oh, so the, oh, so like, interrupting your program at the end of Paul's life, is it just me or does he seem kind of comfortable with this? Is it just me or has he kind of learned something that this is sometimes how it goes down here? You're gonna end up on islands with people you've never known and you better make the most of those three months. So we, we spent a wonderful three months on Malta. I'm like, what did you do on Malta? Is there like jet skiing and stuff? Is there an In-N-Out or Chick-fil-A? I mean, what did, what did you, we had a great time. They treated us like royalty, took care of all of our needs, outfitted us for the rest of the journey. Guys, is this how it works when you run into perfect strangers in a life and death situation? Like, does it turn into three months where they take care of you like royalty? You have this amazing connection and they give you all the supplies you're gonna need now to get on with your journey. These are deep connections these people are making. I don't know if I would want connections. I want to complain. When things break in my life that I'm counting on, I don't want to connect with people. I want to complain. Paul's like, we had a great, you got to understand, you got to pick up what the text is telling you. You got to step back and go, what does Paul know that I don't know? He's like, man, we had a, we had a wonderful time and we, we went on on our, on our, on our journey. I want to make a couple observations about when your boat breaks, when your plans are shattered, when your routine is nowhere to be found, when things outside of your control seem to be a barrage in your life. Paul can't control the sea. Paul can't control the winds. Paul can't control the wood that is breaking apart. They each grab pieces. They float into shore. It's a cold, rainy night. It's difficult. It's painful. It's challenging. Then to make matters worse, Paul is just picking up sticks. Kudos to the apostle Paul, by the way. May we all be willing to pick up sticks no matter what season we're in. He's just picking up sticks. He's helping out. He's building the bonfire. Here comes the viper. The viper bits his hand. Now it's like, really, Lord? I mean, we shipwrecked. I floated in. We're freezing cold. I'm trying to make a fire. I'm putting out sticks. I'm Paul. I'm Pastor Paul. And now the viper bites me, and Paul still doesn't freak out. Now this bothers me because I broke a golf club recently. It was yesterday. But I don't want to get into it. I threw it under the golf cart, and then I reversed, and it snapped it. And my friends were like, bro, we could have got that. And I was like, I deserve it. You know, like, I, I don't believe in the gospel of grace on the golf course. You know, like, I'm just like a works guy, a law guy. I deserved a broken club. But, like, I, I break pitching wedges when I don't hit a good shot. Paul's like, shipwrecked, almost drowned, freezing cold, trying to make a fire got bit by a viper, shook it off. Wonderful three months in Malta. <laughs> what? I hate these early Christians, you know, like, these guys are too, what? Paul, you know you're gonna die. And yet, he seems to enjoy these moments with these people. I, I, I'm just, I'm trying to provoke you because I've been provoked by this passage. What, what, am I missing something? 
Am I the only one that has turned heavenward and been like, God, where are you? Paul never does that. Paul's never like floating on like a piece of the ship trying to get into the shore going, where are you? He's like, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. So here's my first observation. When the boat breaks, people on islands get included in the story. Think about that. And I mean islands quite literally, but I mean islands socially, emotionally. See, I think what we forget is that um, God, when given a choice between people and plans, um, he chooses people because that's his plan. I hate to break it to you, but your plan isn't really God's plan. It's the people in your life. That's God's plan. Did you know that? The new people, the old people. That's the plan of God for your life. It's the people. It's not the programs. It's not the inventive idea. It's not the, it's, it, it all gets back to pe people for God. It's, it's, that's his centerpiece. God loves the human being. God became a human being. I mean, you gotta look at Jesus and go, what's on God's mind? Uh, human beings. God, why did you become the God-man? Because I'm in to people. And I know right now our bank accounts, I know right now our kids' schooling, I know right now our schedule, I know right now running errands seems like a fool's errand because you show up with a dry cleaner and they're now closed half of the week because they too are trying to stay afloat. Right, and what's our response? Is our response, instead of loving those around us, instead of floating in on a shipwreck to an island and recognizing that these people are part of God's story, these new friends, these new individuals we have met because of this global pandemic, apparently to Paul, that seems to be a priority. <laughs> He's so convinced that God's in control, vipers dangle from his hand, he shakes it off and doesn't seem to think he's going to die. Think about it. I, I don't know about you, but when things go bad, I still have bad theology. And here's what I mean. When things go bad, my theology sometimes, which is my view of God and my view of the world, tries to tell me it's going bad because you did something bad. And if you'll fix the bad, it won't go bad. Do you know that's never mentioned here in Paul? or his writings later about these shipwrecks. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says, I was shipwrecked three times, he said. I think in there is a plane crashes too, and like they didn't even have planes, but Paul found a way to be in a plane crash. You're like, this guy's been through everything. He's, 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 he's literally been canceled in social media, and there wasn't even social media. Like he's, he's kind of been through everything, and I'm just waiting for Paul to complain in the story. I'm also waiting for Paul to like call a revival meeting on Malta. He doesn't do that. We're just making observations. He doesn't do that. He never goes, everyone gather around the bonfire. The snake I just shook off is a metaphor of sin. And so if you put your faith in Jesus, you can shake off that sin. You'll be forgiven. You'll, I mean, I could help Paul with a transition into a really good sermon after that moment. But the great orator, the great writer, the great thinker, he, there's no even record of him teaching and preaching. There's record of him caring and loving and helping sick family members. And he said, we had a wonderful three months on Malta. And I'm thinking, would I have a wonderful three months on Malta? Doubt it. I might not even have a wonderful three hours on Malta because my attitude would be so bent out of shape Furthermore, Lord, I can't even, I mean, a schedule to execute me, can't, we can't even keep that? Like, this is, this is, this is different. But my first observation is maybe when your boat breaks, you're going to run into people who are isolated that you otherwise wouldn't have. See, in your heavenly father, he cares about people who are isolated. 
He cares about people you otherwise wouldn't have met, wouldn't have cared for, wouldn't have loved. I'm not talking about people that you're gonna preach the gospel to in 30 seconds or less the first time you meet them. Everyone just calm down. I'm talking about people that you just connect with and you love and you care for, that you otherwise wouldn't have. I know, I know we think our businesses and our career are more important, and I, I, why do I have to be the preacher to tell you they're not? Why, why do I have to tell you that, that what God cares about are your kids more than your important busy schedule? What happens when your boat breaks? What are we gonna do? Are we gonna be like Paul or are we just gonna be like ourselves? And left to my own devices, it is amazing what I can conclude about myself and God because my boat starts to break. Oh God, where are you? Oh Lord. All right, I quit, I quit, I'm done. You ever done that? You quit before you think everything is breaking apart? So if I quit before everything is destroyed, then somehow it makes me better. I quit, I quit. If it's breaking, I quit. And this is what we're doing. I, again, I, I'm looking at some of your faces like, I don't think it's that bad. Where do you live? Could we all live there? Because for those of us living in the real world, like it's, it's wild, isn't it? What happens when you're, Boat breaks. Here's another observation. Um, God's provision is seen unlike in any other time. God's provision. Now, when you think about that, why would God care about you seeing how he provides? Because he wants you to see him. And he wants you to understand who he is. <laughs> what I'm about to say, I don't like saying, but I'm going to say it because I'm 42. And I've lived just long enough to discover why am I going to say this? The most painful, difficult times of my life is where I have seen Jesus at a level and depth unlike any other seasons of my life. I wish it wasn't true, but I've been floating in the proverbial ocean on a piece of the boat going, God, where are you? And what transpired in front of me told me more about him than I could have ever possibly Imagine. God wants to provide for you supernaturally, even during unprecedented stormy days. He wants to do things for you. Some of you have lost businesses. Some of you lost business partners. Some of you have lost best friends. Some of you have lost, I promise you this is going to end well. Some of you are like, do you think we're going to get into the part where we don't lose everything? <laughs> Soon, soon. But there's a few people being ministered to, so bear with us, okay? Some of you, I can tell you're so positive. You're like, I thought this was a positive place. You know, it is, it is. We're gonna end there. But we've lost so much, but in the process, he makes up the difference. He makes up the difference. He makes up the difference. He supernaturally provides. I mean, if you would have told Paul, you're going to Rome to die, I'm aware of that. I'm willing to do that. But on your way, you're going to get in a big wreck. And Malta's going to be your number one provision source. He's going to say, Malta what? Malta who? Malta's going to be the people that are going to give you the supplies you'll need to get to Rome so you can die for Jesus. Malta. Yeah. How do you spell that? I have no idea. Malta. I think of Wendy's and the chocolate malt as well. Malta. Oh. Man plans his way. God directs his steps. Is there any one of us here today that follow Jesus and worship Jesus that we can, can actually truly conclude that the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are in the proverbial conference room in a place called eternity, wringing their hands, looking at each other going, what do you think we should do? Not one of us. If we know enough about scripture, we know that not for a moment has the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords and the leader of all leaders and the president of all presidents, not for a single moment has he been surprised 
truly disrupted, worried, anxious, fearful. He is completely in control, even though the pieces of your boat are floating across the surface of the sea. And as you float into shore, do not fear. For what is ahead, you will be bitten, but he will see you through. I might remind you, you might have to pick up some sticks and some things you thought you were over, some things you thought you were beyond and past. You might have some seasons of picking up some sticks. I'm down if you're down. I'm in if you're in. I never decided to follow Jesus so that any one of us could be a big deal so I wanted to pick up sticks. I'm down to pick up sticks. How about you? But I'm going to tell you, God has plans to reach people on islands. Isolated people that don't know his love, his forgiveness, and his community. What happens when your boat breaks? Look for new people because they're all around you and they might actually be the plan of God. I'm going to say this one more time. People are the plan of God. People are the plan of God. That's the plan of God. And by the way, you are a people, so that should be exciting to you. Some are like, oh, I thought the plan was the plan, not people. No, it's good. You are people, so this is a good thing to be excited about. It's just that you're not the only people. It's just that you're not the only people. And God is a father, and all the people are his kids. So when he talks people, he talks about all of his kids. And when he talks about love, he means his whole family. I got three kids. When I tell you I love my family, in my mind, I'm not leaving out the 14-year-old. I love my kids, except for the, you know, the really big one. No, I, you know and I know that I mean all my kids. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of who he is and his saving grace and his goodness. Oh, it could be that our boat's breaking and God's got plans to Nowhere in the text does it say God caused the storm. Nowhere in the text does it say, um, and, and lastly, um, here's how you determine where the storm came from. Apparently, it's not important. It's so funny how, many, how long Christians have been trying to debate and decide who caused the storm, where the storm came from, and the purpose of the storm. And we just need, do you think God put the storm? God didn't send the storm? I don't, it, here's the point. Here's the focus. Look at the passage. It's that God's in control and he loves people. This we know. Don't build your life now for the rest of your days on things you don't know. You build your life on what you do know. And I can't guarantee you that your career path is gonna be the rest of your life, but I can guarantee you this, people are God's plan for your life, for the rest of your life. God loves people. You're gonna see his provision in a whole new way. And, and, and lastly, my last observation, um, perspective begins to settle in. Perspective begins to settle in. A whole new perspective begins to settle in. We had a wonderful three months in Malta and we were supplied for, for the rest of our journey. Now I gotta ask you a question. The entire crew and prisoners on the ship that shipwrecked when they get back on a ship, do they see the ship differently? Oh yeah. And I wonder if that's a part of all this, that we're supposed to see the constructs of our culture and our world differently. Like for instance, I bet when the crew got back on the ship, they found another ship, another crew to kind of join with. And I'm not sure if that entire 276 went on the next ship, but we know Paul did and, and, and some of the Roman officers and that sort of thing. But I, I don't know. I don't know what it's like. I've never been in a shipwreck, but I can imagine walking onto a boat again for the first time after the boat broke. I would walk on and be like, God, thank you for this boat, first of all. This is a great boat. I appreciate the boat. And if this one could stay together, that'd be great too. But thanks for using the pieces to help me float into, like, like gratitude would be one, right? Like, wow, this is a sacred thing. This is a special thing. But I wonder if Paul 
by that time in his life understood that it's, it's never really where you're going. It's, it's who you're with and who you're going to. It's always the who. It's never the where. It's really never the what. It's, it's always the who. It's, it's him and perspective starts to settle in and you start to realize what this is, this is really about. So this is where I end the sermon. Just check this out. And same guy, Paul, writes this passage in what is Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to put it up on the screen because I want you to see it because it will. Same guy now. Ready? Same guy. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation, the difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. It's not only around us, it's, it's within us. It's not only around us, it's within us. Is there something within you, those of you that follow Jesus, you can't put words to it, can you? But there's something inside of you that's just like something. <laughs> it's not right. The pain, the loss, the division, the hatred, the jealousy, the offense, the bigotry. It's, it's, it's not right. It's within me. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pains. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. The same guy now, same guy, shipwrecked three times. That's why waiting does not diminish us any more, any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We're, we're enlarged in the waiting. Are you like me? I'm like, that's not really what I was looking for. I was hoping I was going to be enlarged in the results. Enlarged when the business you started doubled and tripled. I thought I'd be enlarged when my dreams came true. I thought I'd be enlarged when I finally got the toys. I'll tell you when I'm enlarged, when my square footage is enlarged. I'll tell you when I'm enlarged, when I get out of a condo and finally get into a home. We're enlarged in the waiting. Ha! Look at this. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. Yeah, I know. It's just what's happening to us. But, but the longer we wait, the larger we become. Now, this isn't talking about an extra 19 pounds from COVID-19. We're not talking about the, 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 the COVID-19 here. We're, we're, we're talking about your soul. We're talking about your perspective. We're talking about the seat of who you are and how you love. For living well is loving well. We become larger. And the more joyful our expectancy, we, we, wait, we do? I was coming to be a little more cynical, a little more critical, a little more opinionated. Then instead of fighting, let us embrace the works of God. Okay, God. It goes on. M meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, anybody tired in the waiting? The moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us if we don't know how or what to pray, and this is why people ask me all the time, how do you pray? And I'm like, listen, you were made to pray. Just, just go pray. Go talk to God. Go talk to God. Hopefully you didn't get lessons on how to talk to a father figure or if you had a father or a grandfather or a grandmother. or like You just kind of started talking to him. That person that raised you, you just started talking to him. So, so go talk. And, and by the way, if you don't know how to talk to God, uh, he does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless, 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 wordless sighs and our aching groans. Now I'm starting to get encouraged because I have had plenty of these in 2020 and 2021. Ha! Hey! God says the Spirit turns that into prayer. I know what you, I know what you want. 
I know what you're crying out for. I know where you are. I've heard your sighs and I've heard your groans. I've heard your sighs and I've heard your groans. I've heard your sighs. You know what I turn my sighs and groans into? Things I need to fix and do better and try harder and focus on myself. You know what the Spirit of God turns my sighs and groans into? A prayer to Him. Let the Spirit of God take your sighs and your groans. Let the Spirit of God take your sighs and your groans. And here's what I've learned. I, I do much better seeing my sighs and groans be turned into prayers by the Spirit of God when I have someone like you to remind me. Welcome to community. Turn that gossip into something you give to God. God! My friends are so weird. We didn't get vaccinated, and now they'll never talk to us again. Whatever it is. Size and growth. Making prayer out of words. He, he knows us far better than we know ourselves. <sighs> That's a statement. Am I the only one like, was this written for 2021? I think it was. He knows our pregnant condition keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives, love for God is worked into some, whoa, whoa, what? That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something. So that's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something. It doesn't mean it has to be good. It means God can work it into something good. We don't have to sit here and say sickness is good, storms are good, diseases are good, division is good, but God can work it something into good. He can work it. Have you been looking for God to work it into good? Oh, have you been watching waiting for your opinions to be proved, and that's why things have gotten worse. Are we gonna lower ourselves to the level of the culture where it's like, see, see, I told you, if we didn't do this, this would happen. Now look what's happening. The Delta variant, I predicted it because we weren't. Oh. Thank you so much for telling us what the news tells us 24 seven. Where are the peculiar people? that talk about hard, broken, difficult things, and they speak of a God who takes what destroys and he can work it into something good. Where are those people on the earth? Because we have never needed them more. He goes on. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those, to shape the lives of those, to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son is shape the lives. He's shaping our lives. He's shaping our lives. Do you think that's what's happening? Yeah. What's happening? Well, he's shaping our lives to look like Jesus. So he's trying to teach us to love well. And um, hey, church, did. Have you noticed how loving your neighbor's never been harder? It's because it's never been more important. I love you so much. Who you vote for is not nearly as important as the neighbor you won't, don't, or do love. I love you so much, but at this point, like, I might as well tell you the truth, right? I am so sorry, but those conversations about the policies that you think should be happening, I respect them. They are not nearly as important as the conversations of listening to your neighbors and the pain that they're going through. Wonder if that might be something God's trying to work into something good. I am. Um, I don't want to talk about what I think our country should do more than I talk about taking care of the people in my cul-de-sac. I don't feel guilty about this. I just feel aware how fickle we've become, <laughs> how funny we've become. We have barbecues only with people who see how we see what we see in this country and how it should. Those are the only people we will barbecue with. Wow, 
What are you? I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a Christian. So you know what's happening to you though, right? The Spirit of God is trying to shape your life into looking like Jesus. And I want you to know how Jesus lived. He lived befriending people that were so bad, he got criticized by church folks. Did we forget? Church folks were like, what are you doing, Jesus? It's like, oh, I'm trying to say to everybody. <laughs> well, not them, especially them. Yeah, especially. Oh, well. The, the son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original intended shape of our lives there in him. We, we see the original intended shape of our lives in him. We see the original intended shape of our lives in him. We, we, he says, all the, this is life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbors yourself. We see the whole in him. We see, we see the whole. We see the whole. How can you argue that love is not absolutely categorically paramount to the life that looks like Jesus? <laughs> See, you think it's truth, but you know the Bible teaches that you're not even allowed to tell anyone the truth unless you love them first. So all I'm saying is let's stop telling people the truth until we love them. And the only way you're going to love people that you think don't have the truth or think like you is you've got to let Jesus love you. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, that's not a passage to get you to love yourself more. That's a passage to get you to go to God and say, I need to know how much you love me. Watch this. Watch where this passage goes. I didn't write it. The shipwreck guy did. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on solid basis with him, righteousness. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he'd begun. He stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing. Wow, wow. So, 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 what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? Oh, you think you're losing? You think this is a season of loss? Oh, you're keeping track like Instagram. God doesn't keep score like the world keeps score. He said, with all this, you think we're gonna lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition, exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? All of a sudden, the narrative begins to lift. All of a sudden, it's like, wait, I thought we were talking about brokenness. I thought we were talking about t storms. I thought we were talking, God, who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who raised the life for us, is in the presence of God this very moment sticking up for us. Do, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Jesus' love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. Kill us in cold blood because, hey, we're sitting ducks. They pick us up one by one. None of this phases us because, wait, 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 wait. None of this phases us. Why does, wait a second. None of this phases us. Hold on, hold on. You can't exaggerate in the Bible. Paul says, none. Did you hear the list I just read? He said, none of these things phases us. None of these things phase us. None of these things have us off our game. None of these things have us in adopting new philosophy, concept, theology, or perspective. None of this phases us. We know who we are. None of this phases us because, because, because Jesus loves me. How, how you making it, man? <sighs> Thanks for that. Jesus loves me. Oh, man, that, that, that's cute. I think I heard that in Sunday school. Yep, that's as good as it gets. That's it. I might do a series at some point. It's called Take Me Back to Sunday School. Because some of you, that's the best theology you ever got. 
You get preachers like me who want to complicate and make this all ornate and sophisticated, and we have, we, have, we have missed the forest for the trees. Let me tell you the greatest theology I can teach you today. You know why none of this can phase you? You know why you can make it through? You know why you can believe God? You know why you can float on pieces of boats that you used to count on for your income and your protection and your source and your confidence and your anticipation of hope and uh, of the future and good things? You, you, know, you, 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 you know why you're going to... You know why you're okay? Jesus loves you. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, you better hear me, church, angels or demons, snakes or vipers, absolutely nothing today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can come between me and God's love. And why do I know this? Because the way God revealed himself in the person of Jesus, he's never stopped holding on to me. He's never stopped holding on to you. Let me tell you what happens when your boat breaks. You realize the one person you can count on. We didn't build this church on buildings. We didn't build this church on preachers. We didn't build this church on worship leaders. We didn't build this church on technology. We built this church on Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I may not be there when you're floating the proverbial sea of your own mess and your own pain and your own problems and all you got left is pieces of your career. I may not be aware enough to get in the water with you and let you know you can make it, but I can promise you there is one. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh God, let us raise up a new generation of Christians who can float on pieces of boats and still worship. Why, 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 why do you keep going? Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Red and yellow, black, brown and white. They are all so precious in his sight. He, he loves me. How much have you been talking about how much he loves you? Because evidently, that's how Paul got through. He said he loves me. He's floating out there, freezing cold. He loves me. Picking up sticks. He loves me. Bitten by vipers. He loves me. Didn't swell up and die. He loves me. Criticized. He loves me. On an island for three months, he loves me. Is that the theme of your life? Because if you've been in this church for any length of time and it's not, this preacher has done you a disservice. Because that should be the theme of your life. That should be what gets you through. He loves me. See, I'm not lovable and I'm not good enough and I'm not godly enough, but he loves me. Bible says he, I'm always on his mind that if you could count the grain of sand on all of the oceans and the seas combined, so his thoughts towards me would be more. The Bible says he, he watches over me when I sleep. I know that sounds creepy to you, but it's just nice to know somebody's watching over me because see, he doesn't need sleep, but I do. And when I try to turn off, he's there watching. The Bible says he gives angels charge over me. That there are ministering angelic eternal spirits that float over my car and watch over my babies. And they come and they give me energy and strength so that I can continue to serve Jesus. Maybe I haven't told you enough and maybe you haven't told me enough how much he loves us. <laughs>
Isn't it wild? We're going to slip into eternity real soon, you know. We're going to slip in there. And I'm going to tell you one thing you won't bring up. You won't bring up your retirement plan. I don't want to tell you this, but when you get there, eternity, everything you worked for here is pavement there. It's gold streets, man. And that's just to let people know this side of eternity, what's valuable over there. And what's valuable over there is not a cute schedule and a successful business. What's valuable over there is him. Just him. And everything else is foolish compared to him. Nobody cares about gold, for he is the most precious of all possessions. Is it enough that he loves you? Yes, it is. And so that's what we're going to focus on. And what we're going to give to the next generation is not Jesus, the career planner, but we're going to give the next generation Jesus, the lover of their soul. That's what we're going to do. Let me tell you something about my Jesus. He thinks your career is cute and he's so down to help, but it's not his priority. You're his priority. And I think that's why I'm done. I'm done. And Amanda is coming. Amanda Cook is here. I'm, I'm done. I, I think that's why Paul didn't preach. I don't know, man. I think, I think he just wanted, Paul got to love people on Malta, you know, just pray for people. I mean, he did miracles. That really helps when you're trying to make friends, by the way. Do you have any six family members? They're not sick anymore. Do you want to be my friend? Absolutely. Do you need provision for your journey? Stay three months. You know, like it's a really good plan God put together. I can see that. Have you counted all the people you're connecting with, new people you're meeting and what you're learning and how much he loves you? I wanted today, Amanda, good to see you. We haven't even said hi yet. Amazing amazing human being. I love you, Amanda. Um, you know, what I wanted to preach today, I'll be honest, what I wanted to preach is when your boat breaks, God puts it back together again, puts a speedboat motor on it, and you fly. <laughs> Susie Capuzzi, if I could, I would. I'd preach just that. I'd be like, let me tell you what God's going to do. He's going to put it back together like Humpty Dumpty. He's going to slap a big motor on that thing, and we're going to fly into the future. And there's going to be drinks and food on board, you know? But like what we have is like, just keep floating on the peace you have. And then like, remind yourself how much he loves you. <laughs> and, and, and do you remember what the scripture says? I'm done, Amanda, you got to start singing. Remember what the scripture says? How can we lose? That's the kind of people we want to raise up in our church people that can't lose. When times are tough, we can't lose. When times are good, we can't lose. When people criticize us, we can't lose. When people praise us, we can't lose. Because our focus is none of those things. Our focus is Jesus. And the one who started it, he'll be faithful to complete it and finish it. I'm telling you, just hold on to the pieces. You have enough in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Will you close your eyes? God, I thank you for these minutes and moments we get to share. They seem so precious and sacred in days like these. The fact that we could get together and think on you and think about Paul and think about what you do and how you do it. We could read scripture together. We could sing songs and melodies and harmonies together. What a concept. What an opportunity. What an honor to be here together. And we thank you for it. 
Now, if you're here watching or here in the auditorium and say, Judah, I would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only comes through the person of Jesus. It's free. All you got to do is believe. To believe is to receive or accept it. That's it. You don't earn it, deserve it, warrant it. You just accept it. If you would like to receive and accept the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you want that free gift of righteousness and forgiveness that only comes through Jesus, on the count of three, whether you're watching online or you're right here in the room, I want you to shoot your hand up. One, two, three. If that's you, just shoot your hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, hands in this room, hands going up in, in public parks, hands going up, people sitting in their car, hands going up, people walking down the street, people at a condo, people with their roommate right now. Your hand goes up. You'll never be the same. You're forgiven forever. So Jesus, we just say thank you. We thank you that your forgiveness is eternal. Your forgiveness is forever. We are completely and totally forgiven. Past, present, and future sins are covered and totally forgiven. We focus on your performance over our performance. We focus on your love for us, not our love for you. So right now in the minutes and moments we share using melodies and harmonies and songs and rhythms, God, we just accept your love for us. I pray that every person of the sound of my voice would experience now in these minutes of melodies and harmonies, they would experience your nearness. They would experience your approval. They would experience your acceptance. They would experience your righteousness. They would experience your love. Remind us again how much you love us. And you will take every detail of our life and you will work it together for something good. We believe that in Jesus' name. If you're willing and able, would you stand with us? And come on, let's worship together. Come on, church home.